It is always good to welcome Deacon Joseph Waswa back with us, our wonderful seminarian these past six years. And just so you know, his ordination to the priesthood is coming up on June the 19th, and we will be celebrating that in the biggest way possible come that time. Let's just pray by that time like COVID is a distant memory of the past and we can just, you know, have fireworks and everything else. Um, also pray for Darren Balky as well, who, who will be ordained a deacon two weeks before Joseph's ordained a priest. And right in between those two weekends is the solemnity of the Sacred Heart. So just go ahead and set aside June on the calendar as a great party month for all of us. It will be wonderful. And, you know, when you look at that kind of joy. I mean, that's, that's exciting. That is like as good as it gets, frankly. But compare that, and I don't mean to be too harsh this morning. I know it's Super Bowl Sunday, but I'm going to take a swipe at the Super Bowl. Um, when you think about it, it's kind of become like our great, you know, sort of uh, like cultural religious event, so to speak. And it's funny to me because it almost seems like on a certain level, the game is kind of an afterthought, right? How many people do you know that say, I'm excited to go watch the commercials? You know, so we have the commercials, the things that tell us what will finally make us happy, even though they always fail us. I will tell you this. So back in college, when I worked at Anheuser-Busch, that was the time of the was up commercials. Remember those? Where the guys call and just start going, was up, and then the other one does it. I worked in the gift shop at the brewery, and those were playing essentially 24 hours a day. I have a feeling that that could possibly be the soundtrack of hell. I don't know that for a fact. <laughs> But my goodness, like all the time, day in, day out, it was like, was up always. And then you got the, uh, the croaking Budweiser frogs. Don't be wrong. I liked working for them. It was a great company. Didn't like listening to that all day long. Anyway, it's like you've got that. And then the, the halftime show that very often nowadays you can't let the kids watch. You know, it's like this sort of religious ceremony celebrating promiscuity and whatever else. I mean long for the days when all we had was a mere uh, wardrobe malfunction, right? I mean, I remember that happened when I was in seminary, and the next day, one of my professors came in, and he had, as a priest, he had his tab collar in, and another tab collar in his pocket, and he said, well, I guess I have a wardrobe malfunction. And, you know, so it's, you can see the way that, you know, culture and everything go inside, but the reason I bring all of that up is because it almost seems like, you know, tonight, and it's fine, watch the game. I'm not saying boycott the Super Bowl. But it's funny because I think in some ways it sort of demonstrates, you know, it's like the high point of the cultural year. My sister works for Frito-Lay, and if I'm not mistaken, this is the event. This is like their Black Friday where they come back in the black because everybody gets together. Everybody celebrates this. But when you think about it, it's about so often the commercials and the halftime show. I actually had to ask who one of the teams was. I'm embarrassed. I'm getting older. I'm out of it. But, you know, it's just one of those things that we see what's so important to our culture and what brings everybody together for this big event. And it kind of reminds me of a dystopian futuristic novel that I read a long time ago, and you've probably heard of it, called Brave New World by Aldous Huxley. And like a lot of things that depict the future, the church is missing. I mean, if you think about the book 1984 by George Orwell, or think about the Terminator movies, right? When you look into the future so often, when things get dark and all of this, the church is nowhere to be found. 
And the interesting thing is, is it's almost like the church more and more gets pushed off to the side. And I think it comes down to this. If you ever have read Brave New World by Aldous Huxley, there are two main things that people are constantly doing to make sure that they never encounter pain and suffering. They take a drug called Soma all the time, like basically numbing themselves. I mean, it is a drug and they're constantly trying to numb the pain of life and just, you know, oh, you always want to be comfortable and having a good time. The other thing is perpetual promiscuity. They're not allowed to get into long-lasting relationships just one-on-one. If you go out on a date with someone more than twice, it raises the attention of those around and it's not good and you can be called out and all this sort of stuff. Now, looks like, hey, pleasure paradise, you know, soma and promiscuity, but it's anything but peaceful and happy. At the same time, like I said, you look at that and the church is always gone And in a way, you can sort of understand it. Look at our first reading for today. Was anybody else surprised when the first reading begins, is not man's life on earth drudgery? You know, and to find out, and ending with this, you know, cheerful uh, conclusion, I shall not see happiness again. The word of the Lord. You know, it's one of those things where it's, it's, it's difficult to take that in, right? It's the book of Job, but at the same time, as we look at our day-to-day lives, we understand, yes, There's a lot of drudgery. There is a lot of difficulty. And we don't have to pretend that it's not there. And when you even think about the text of the Mass, when we come together, I mean, what we say at the beginning is what, you know, I confess to Almighty God and you, my brothers and sisters, I have grievously sinned. I mean, we strike our breasts. Why? Because we fall into sin so often. We know that it can be a drudgery to try to keep going to keep telling ourselves no, to, you know, fight against our fallen flesh. We end the Mass praying the St. Michael prayer. Why? Because our struggle is not just, it's not against humans, it's against powers and principalities. Evil is real. The devil is real. We're fighting that all the time, and it can get tough to do that. And even when you look at the Gospel today, I mean, things aren't always super clear why God acts in the way that he does. And I think one of the keys to this is look at the way that St. Mark describes the setting. When it was evening, after sunset. He's kind of driving home the point, it's dark, later on. Rising very early, before dawn, it's dark. When we go through our life, which can very often be drudgery, can be difficult, it feels very dark. And how do we find our way through? Well, the fact of the matter is, it's in finding our relationship with Jesus Christ. Now, I'm sure you're not shocked that that's where I went, but it is the truth and it is what we have to continue to rediscover and to find again, to pray for the grace of perseverance because... I'm sure this exists in all of us, and this is why I think the Super Bowl is as huge and popular as it is for 51 years and has moved more and more in the way of commercials and halftime shows, is because soma and promiscuity are very tempting. It's very tempting to just want to numb ourselves to the difficulty of what we're called to. But the reality is, is that will never satisfy us. And right around the corner for all of us right now, only a week and a half away, is Lent. Now, I will tell you, in the same vein of what I just said about soma and promiscuity, very tempting, part of me, whenever Lent is on the horizon, starts to rebel. I'm not excited about giving things up, right? And 
I don't really want to, you know? I have to tell my, myself, my body, no, 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 this is the right thing for you. It reminds me of the fact that so often when I'm in the confessional, someone will confess, Father, I just don't really want to come to Mass. And I have to say to them, but do you still come? Oh, yeah. I say, it's okay. I don't really want to be here right now either, but I'm here, you know? It's one of those things where in our life, there's plenty of times in our fallen state that we don't want to do what we're supposed to do. We don't want to do the right thing. We don't want to make the sacrifice. But the glory is, is that when we follow Christ, when we do deny ourselves and take up our cross, when we listen to that difficult uh, command that he gives us, you know, if you will be my disciple, you have to deny yourself and take up your cross, here's the hard word, daily and follow me. He doesn't say that because he doesn't want us to be happy. He doesn't say that because he wants to hold us down and make sure that we remember life is drudgery. No, but he says that because it's in following him. It's in taking up our cross. Even when it's dark, even when we don't know why he does what he does, that we eventually find that peace, that peace that he has come to preach. He said, you know, he told them, let us go on to the nearby villages that I may preach there also. For this purpose have I come. He doesn't come just to relieve us from physical suffering. Obviously, sometimes that's a part of it. He healed Peter's mother-in-law in this gospel today. But notice the fact it wasn't just he goes to her, takes her hand, raises her up, and it's like, okay, you're healed now. Go watch the Super Bowl. No, what does she do? She immediately waits on them. The question is, is as we grow closer to him, as we are healed of sometimes physical infirmities, it does still happen. There are miracles, but obviously there's something deeper than that than just being healed of our physical ailments. Because the question is, when we are in good health, what do we do with it? Do we actually follow him and live as disciples and carry out the work that he's called us to do? Or do we turn on, in on ourselves in a selfish way? And I'll tell you, one good way that I just sort of had this demonstrated to me personally this past week was John and I both have had the pleasure for the last several months of visiting a homebound gentleman in his 90s. His name was Martin. He was lovely. Now, he obviously, you know, we all have an expiration date. He's in his 90s. It's not a big surprise when he passed away this past Tuesday. Now, I was so blessed to get to go and see him. John, for the last several months, has been taking him communion every Sunday. That's why you've heard his truck fire up when we're in the midst of mass outside. It wasn't him leaving early because the homilies are too darn long. No, he was going to see Martin. And this is the thing. Martin wasn't able to do everything physically he's always done. But you know what he did? He prayed the rosary every day. Every time I went to see him, he always talked about how much he loved his wife who had passed away. And they had been married, I think it was for 60 years. And he always had these good things to say. And he'd say, why me? Why have I had such a good life? And this is the thing. As I go through, you know, a day, I'm busy. I've got, you know, a call to go take him communion. I'm thinking life is drudgery. You know, I'm so difficult in my 30-year-old body. And, all this. and I go see him. And he proclaims the gospel in that beautiful way. Was he able to get up and go run a marathon? No, but you know what he did? Was he used the gifts that he had to remind me of how beautiful this faith is. 
And that even though, you know, the things of this world, the things that, you know, give us consolation along the way, which aren't bad. I mean, it's okay. I worked for Anheuser-Busch, right? It's okay to have a beer as long as you have it the right time, the right way, and not too much. That's how we thank God for it, right? But that's not the end-all, be-all. It's finding that love of Christ. And we know that we don't know exactly when he's going to heal in this way or that, but what we do know is that he's entered into all of this with us and even in the darkness continues to lead us along towards our ultimate goal of heaven. And so my brothers and sisters in Christ, I would say, as we look at the fact that Lent is a week and a half away, think about those big three things we have to do, prayer and fasting and almsgiving. And to look at it, you know, through this particular lens, what are the things that are keeping me away from the prayer and the fasting? What are the things that keep me away from that union with Christ in prayer? What do I need to fast from to make sure that I'm not just watching the Super Bowl all the time of life, but that I am actually stepping away and coming to him in prayer? What do I need to set aside in my life to make sure that I'm finding that peace and that consolation from where it actually comes from. There's a reason why in those futuristic novels, the church is always gone, because we don't like the challenge, right? But we need it. We need to know what is it that I need to set aside so that I can find true peace, not just comfort in something that will numb me. And on the other side too, to remember that almsgiving, it's ultimately a gift to us. As our Lord gives us so much in prayer, as we give things up and get so much more from Him, what is the way that He's calling me to share that with other people? Just like Martin was able to do it in his bedroom at his daughter's house, as she took care of him, and frankly, he took care of me, helping me to remember why I do what I do, because Jesus is with us. What is it in your life that you need to do to give the greatest treasure that you have, your faith? And sometimes doing that in particularly with alms, with money, yes, that's important. We got to do it. We got to pay the bills and turn on the lights and everything else. But what is the way that you're being called to be like St. Paul, to go out into the world to share your faith, to share this treasure that we have that's so much better than Soma, promiscuity, than football, that's ultimately what will ultimately satisfy us. To see that fact that as the disciples say, everyone is looking for you. How are you going to help them to find him? My brothers and sisters in Christ, we're given this great gift. Even if we're not always excited to receive it, Lent helps us to get refocused on our Lord, to see that treasure that we have, and then to be able to share it. Let's ask our Lord for the grace to know in, these, in this next week and a half how we're calling to be more and more prepared to love him and to share that gift of his grace. Praise be Jesus Christ, now and forever.